Hey guys, episode 10, Vegas Fever Podcast. I wasn't going to say what I was thinking about saying, but here we are. Another new episode. <laughs> um, I'm Jason. Hi. That's Paula, and she's ready to talk uh, about a lot of things, but uh, I think she's really ready to talk Golden Knights. But before we do that, going to talk about some... Some interesting yet not interesting stuff happening uh, with the Ryan Rebels. Three games this week uh, from UNLV. They began on Monday with a 69-64 victory over Air Force. Um, It was uh, the David Jenkins show late in the game to seal the victory after Bryce Hamilton went out with four fouls. Um, in the second half, he had 26 Jenkins did for the game. 20 of those came in the last 10 minutes. Um, and it was a pretty interesting game for UNLV. Um, favored by double digits two games in a row, and uh, they don't cover either one of them. Um, they did out-rebound the Falcons 30-20, uh, to 20, and they did shoot more free throws. They did make more more free throws. They did also shoot better from three and um, didn't really have a ton of confidence going into the Boise State series um, for UNLV after not really that great of a showing against Air Force. Um, They end up losing to Boise on Thursday, 78 to 66. Um, I almost predicted that score, mm-hmm. just about yeah. just about right, spot on, and we'll talk about that too a little later. Um, Bryce Hamilton scored twenty six after J- David Jenkins scored twenty six against Air Force. Hamilton scores twenty six against the Broncos, um, but the game wasn't really as close as the final score indicated. They only lost by twelve, but Boise shot more free throws and better from the field and turned the ball over less. It's it's a pretty it's pretty interesting how stats that's why I like stats so much they they tell the story so if you if you give the other team the ball more and you don't defend them and you let them shoot and make shots from anywhere they're pretty much going to win the game i mean it's it's that's pretty standard unless you know something crazy happens it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry uh for UNLV their defense has not been good uh, their offense, besides a couple of guys, haven't been much better. So here we are. UNLV is basically not going to have a chance to get a top five finish because they've stumbled recently, albeit over better, you know, against better competition. I mean, Boise State is a better, they're a better basketball team. They're going to beat majority of the teams in this conference. and And that's what happened. You know, and that's that's what's kind of been happening for UNLV. They're they're beating who they should beat, and they're not really beating anybody else except for that Utah State game when they took one out of two from Utah State. It's been rough for the Rebels otherwise, um, and that leads me to the loss Saturday, the second Boise State game, sixty-one fifty-nine. Here's a perfect example of being up late in the game and closing time. The last four minutes, who's going to get the ball for UNLV? So I've said it all year. I've said it in every podcast that Bryce Hamilton and David Jenkins, I think probably because Paula sits next to me. 
every podcast. She probably, she knows these names and she might have like dreams or nightmares about them, depending on how many times she hears it. And 61-59 Broncos win. So the Rebels have the ball late. They don't have the ball late in the game. They get a turnover from Boise State. Boise State goes to throw a Hail Mary pass down the court and UNLV picks it off. Bryce Hamilton ends up with the ball. He's dribbling up the court. He gives it to Caleb Grill. Okay. That was an okay pass, but then the ball needs to come back. Now there's eight, 10 seconds left, whatever, however, plenty of time left. Hamilton had to give the ball up because Hamilton was going to get either double teamed or he was in a position where he was going to lose the ball. So he gave it to Grill and I think he expected the ball back. So him or Jenkins, the two quote unquote one, two stars of the game, you know, of the team can go to work and then grill decides he's going to drive the ball toward the basket. He has no angle and he throws up this wicked, horrible shot, wicked, Wicked. (laughs) horrible, gross, disgusting shot that he should have never thrown up. He should have thrown, thrown that ball back to Bryce Hamilton or, Hey, how about we dish it to David Jenkins who has been hot from three over the past few games, but we don't. And then there's no, UNLV is not able to get the ball after the miss. Boise State gets it. The game is over. So Broncos with a two-point win against the Rebels. Something else that really stands out. Last eight possessions for UNLV, four points, a three-pointer and a free throw. That's it. And that's not just going to cut it. I don't care who you're playing. And they got San Jose State coming up uh, for two games. I don't care who you play. You're not going to beat anybody when you just sit on the ball for the last four minutes. That's that's crunch time. That's winning time. That is when you need to put your best foot forward. Two guys have the ball for this team. Who are those two guys? Bryce Hamilton and the other one. What's... David Jenkins. Right. See, my wife knows this. See, maybe she should coach the team because she knows this. Okay, I'm not saying T.J. Altsberger is a bad coach. I'm just saying it, 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 it actually wasn't his fault because I'm sure the play was designed. See, sometimes, you know, the players will do what they want, but the play is designed to go to Bryce Hamilton or David Jenkins. That's the way the play was designed to go, and it didn't go to them. This guy is trying to be a hero when this guy is supposed to be standing behind the three-point line shooting threes. That's what Caleb Grill does. Caleb Grill does not get on his golf cart and drive to the basket. He sits, perches behind the three-point line and waits for a really good set so he can shoot. And he's really successful. So what, what went through his head to do that is beyond me. Now, I think TJ Altsberger is a fine coach. There has been rumor lately and I'm not, and this is a really good segue into that I don't know if you want to call it rumor or rumbling TJ Altsberger used to be the assistant coach at Iowa State years ago Oh yeah didn't something open up in Iowa State Something might open up in Iowa State the coach oh, has yeah. not been fired yet but the coach is a lame duck and the coach is going to get fired and guess whose name is automatically now it doesn't matter if the fans want him there or not the it's name is, the it's not up to the fans, but it is up to the people who spend money, the boosters, which they are fans, basically. Boosters are fans because they spend money. The no, the average fan does not care. Um, 
they care, but that doesn't mean they're going to get what they want. Right. I mean, look at the average fan here. The average fan. I mean, look what the average fan here gets. But anyway, um, the job could open up, and his name is going to be linked because he's coached in the area. He's from the area. His wife likes the area. We know how wives are influential. That's T.J. Otzelberger's dream job. He's been quoted as saying Iowa State is his dream job. I don't know why. But all these things are playing a factor, you know, are, are, are factors playing in. And UNLV fan base, from what I understand, from what I can read, is split. Some of them want now, and some of them want soon. But some of them want Otzelberger, and some of them don't. So I think what's going to happen here is this was Desiree Reed Francois' guy. She hired him. And as long as she can keep people that have any kind of influential pocket at UNLV happy, she's going to keep T.J. Altsberger because that was her choice. And I believe, and a lot of the fans believe, that given four, five years minimum, you will see results, but you're never going to see them if you don't. If you keep this vicious cycle of every three to four years getting a new coach, you're never going to see results. And this is something that just happened within, happened within the last couple of days. But I've heard it more and more each of the last two days. You know, and do you think he's even qualified to coach a team like that? That is a fantastic question because that's what a lot of the fans on Twitter are saying from UNLV. Would he even? make the cut if I mean, they were that, looking that, for a coach that could be your dream job but you know my dream job is being a doctor that's not gonna happen right and i want a mercedes you know uh, but i think that what makes him attractive as a coaching candidate is he can get players to come and play for him he's done that at multiple places you and he that about every coach you said that about yeah i mean dave, dave rice. rice can get people but dave rice Why? couldn't coach them tj altsberger can coach them he can Results are different, and I know it's a results business. He can coach better than Dave Rice, and he can recruit at Dave Rice's level. That's what makes him attractive as a coaching candidate, and Iowa State is not a top-tier Big 12 job. It's not like Texas or Oklahoma, or Texas Tech, for that matter. It's a lower Big 12 job, so would they hire him? Probably, and they can get him for cheaper. Not after this year, because I believe he has... If he leaves after this season, I think the school that hires him owes him owes him $3 million, or T.J. Otzelberger owes the school $3 million. There's a $3 million figure. It's a buyout of some kind. And I don't know if whoever is uh, responsible of paying it is going to pay it. That's a ton of money. That's more than his salary. So, but it is, you know, Big 12 money. It's not a top-tier job. But it is a job that if he was offered it, he'd take it. Will he be? Is this just noise or smoke? Well, that's to be determined. But right now, things are extremely <laughs> difficult in Rebel Land right now. And it's got a lot of people wondering. Don't know if it's extremely difficult or people reading into something. I think it's a little bit of both. Play the narrative. This is good stuff. It's drama. It's every three to five years at UNLV. Every three to five years. Um, but I think they should keep him. That's, that's my thought on that one. I mean, he's definitely better than Menzies. A million times better than Menzies. So, there's that. 
UNLV 1 and 2 this week. Someone's tweeting me something as we talk. That's really amazing. Um, Rebels 1 and 2 on the week, like I said. Currently, the Rebels are 8 and 11 and... Uh, eight and eleven overall, and five and seven in conference. Uh, seventh in seventh place right now. So if the tournament, if the Mountain West tournament started right now, and they keep it the way it is, it would be UNLV against Air Force in that seven to ten game, uh, seven ten game. Um, hopefully the Rebels get back on track Friday, uh, San Jose State, and Sunday, San Jose State as well. There's not a game till Friday. There's not a game till Friday for UNLV. Um, San Jose State was supposed to play a couple of games against Nevada, and and it, and there was some issues with Nevada's program with COVID, so that got canceled. And I think UNLV had this scheduled break anyhow, um, if I'm not mistaken. They have a little bit of wiggle room at the end of their schedule in between the last game and the Mountain West tournament mm. to make up some of those games that were canceled on their end. Um, against Wyoming and San Diego State, and that would be four games needed to make up. I don't know if that's going to happen, um, but we should see uh, Rebels, Spartans get it on in San Jose, I think, hopefully. I don't know what's going on in Northern California with their COVID protocols, but Friday and Sunday. Something else I wanted to uh, announce and kind of work into the podcast I'm very proud of, uh, and I have you know, the support of my family uh, in doing this is uh, I'm going to be doing some writing uh, for the Mountain West Wire. Uh, you could follow them at MWC Wire on Twitter. And I'm going to be covering UNLV basketball for them. And they do previews and recaps uh, and kind of any other thing that, you know, whoever writes for them for each school can pretty much do whatever they want. That's why I like it. You you know, you got the flexibility of being able to write uh, what you want, what you want, when you want it. And uh, they just want to make sure that you preview each series and and recap. Um, so I'll be doing a little bit of writing uh, for them. And uh, it's something that I've been thinking about doing for a while. So I'm glad I get the opportunity to do so. We'll still do the podcast and we'll kind of work, you know, work what's been going on, uh, you know, with my writing into it a little bit, I think. But uh, right now, let's do our Golden Knights segment it's going to be uh long lengthy and interesting i'm going to do a little recap for paula because i took some notes here um first game of the week uh, first off vgk only loses one game this week um the first game was on tuesday a five to four victory after leading four to one they squandered the three goal lead that was the shea theodore got hurt in the first and the tomas nosik leaves after the second period because of an apparent COVID test, which we found out later. Um, they end up being able to win the game uh, five to four. I was critical of Flurry in that game because he did give up some goals. I felt yeah. he shouldn't have. It was a rough game. It was. It was really smooth, and then all of a sudden it... Uh took a turn that I didn't think they were going to be able to come back from. 
it was it was really interesting. I I didn't see that coming. I really it felt like they had game in hand, and this is just goes to well, show I think you that was the problem that they had is that they thought they had game. In yeah, hand. and that's been a repetitive issue of uh, since since day one. Absolutely. Um, Golden Knights come back on Thursday, and um. Robin Leonard gets to the arena, and Robin Leonard is saying he can't go. He cannot play. It was his turn in the rotation, and he was not able to go. Insert Mark andre Fleury. And Fleury was fantastic. Um, a game where they had plenty of goal support in the game before on Tuesday, but in this game that we're talking about right now on Thursday, no support. Um, one goal, and Fleury was fantastic. And if he wasn't fantastic, they would have lost. So a little bit of redemption on short notice. Um, for Flurry, which was good for him. Uh, Saturday, uh, three to one. Uh, they they defeat San Jose. Three power play goals for the Knights, which is really really good to see because their power play majority of the time seems to struggle. So that's good that we get them going with three power play goals again. Flurry redeems himself. Second game in a row. Uh, he was he was amazing. Uh, first game of a back-to-back, that was. So we go into Sunday. Another one nothing victory, just like on Thursday, for the Golden Knights against Colorado. I mean, Pacioretty with the only goal. Mm-hmm. Flurry was fantastic. I think Flurry and Fantastic just go together, I think, majority of the time. Uh, team is 10-2-1. I mean, and points-wise, leading the West. You know, um, it's good after 13 games to be in this position. Uh, there's definitely some things uh, that I think that they need to tighten up. Um, it looks like they're going to get Shea Theodore back. They're probably going to get Robin Leonard back. Um, and uh, McNabb should be coming back probably, you know, next couple of weeks or so. But um, concerning on Tuesday after the COVID issues with Nosek, we didn't think there would be a game. Um, I thought it was completely ridiculous that they knew there was a positive test and they continued the game. I mean, if you have to stop the game and you have to stop the game, and I am totally, I'm, I don't like it, but I'm okay with it because well, you've exposed everybody they, else. They exposed each other. They were exposed the other team, but they feel very strongly if they can isolate the player all of a sudden that it's not going to spread. I mean... The truth of the matter is, I don't know what their testing protocol is, if they test only when they have symptoms, if they test before the game, is it a rapid test, is it a, you know, the one that takes a little longer, we don't know what the testing procedures are, so, you know, it's really hard to tell at this point, when Leonard left, I for sure thought it was COVID. Me too. 100%. Yeah. But apparently it was his shoulder from that injury that he said was fine, but then turned out right before the game wasn't fine. I don't know. Something was, something's weird about that, no matter um, whether it's his shoulder, COVID, whatever it is. It was interesting timing because the optional skate that they had that morning, he was there for. Right. He was fine. Sometimes kind of. He wasn't fine. I don't know. But why would you even go to the arena? Right, right, right. I mean, isn't that a phone call? Maybe maybe somebody doesn't answer the phone. I don't know. I I... think maybe it was he felt sick 
and he wasn't sure they had to test him for covid i don't know i don't know the testing protocol was that these players now they've changed this a little bit they would get tested before each game and here's the thing you don't get the results right away the nhl has changed that to where they do the nhl is going to do rapid testing bad part about that is it's not accurate a hundred percent as much as the other testing is but you have to wait for that testing so they're trying to do a balance. They're going to rapid test and standard test. They're trying the to get as much information. Accurate, so... It's not. But if a guy comes up positive, guess what? He's not playing. Right. So, I mean, that's good and bad. It's bad if it's a good player and they don't have COVID. And now we're just sitting people for no reason. I don't know. The whole thing is very strange. He was at pr practice. He had it looked at. I mean, maybe all of a sudden he had a pain. I thought maybe he had a family. I even think I told you maybe he had a family emergency. I don't know. It was just a strange situation. For whatever reason, he wasn't ready to go. Yep. Um, and... Are they thinking he's going to play tomorrow? Uh, they sent... Yeah, those two guys down. They moved people from the taxi squad, you know, that were on the... They, they're moving people around. The anticipation is that Robin Leonard is going to be back. And they you keep three goaltenders. So Oscar Dansk will always be there. So the 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 understanding is, is that we're going to get Shea Theodore back, which I can't stress can't happen soon enough. Because the Knights don't look... They I mean, they got Petrangelo. So you get Petrangelo, you lose Theodore. So at least you weren't like running two rookies. Um... Well, three, because you would have, you know, you'd have Nick Haig and you'd have Dylan Coughlin and another one because you're down McNabb, Theodore, and Petrangelo. So now you get Petrangelo back, but they didn't look, something was off defensively. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and Petrangelo needs to get back into the swing of things after being off for a couple weeks. And I think now if you can get Theodore and Petrangelo back together, you'll be okay until you get McNabb back because Nick Haig is an NHL defenseman. And also, Dylan Coughlin was very good for the Knights. Mm -hmm. He provided them with something they needed just temporarily. And I think he's going to be a really good defenseman also in this league. I just think that he needed to get his feet wet. And he did, and he held his own. Mm -hmm. And it was very impressive. Um, but all indications, I mean, unless something, unless they did this for salary cap purposes, moving stuff around, it, it indicates that they're going to get these guys back. Um, and then it would be Robin. I mean, it's, you know, the turn is all out of whack, but it would obviously be if Leonard shows up tomorrow at practice and he's good to go, it's Robin Leonard tomorrow in that. I mean, that's just what it is. Cause Flurry has played three games in a row and God forbid, we don't want to hurt, you know, we don't want Flurry to shoulder the load, but he's been great. So some rest, it should be, it should be Robin Leonard tomorrow and Flurry in Tahoe on Saturday. That's what it should be. I mean, we talked about that outside of the podcast. That's what it should be. I'm going to be really upset if they don't play Flurry in Tahoe. So just say, just putting that out there. I really don't have a lot to say about it, but... I think a lot of people would. I think um, if the coach had his way, he would play Leonard. I'm not not a Flurry fan. I, I really enjoy Marc-Andre Flurry since day one that he's been here. Spending $12 million in goaltending is a really big problem, and Flurry's in his late 30s. 
So for him to have the season that he's having is very Tom Brady-like, okay? The older that he gets, the, the better that he's getting. And he's been really good. And I'm going to, this is this is Paula's time to gloat I, and to I'm give it saying, to me a little bit. You, know, you were right. I want you to know. This, this, if you would have just had Leonard and Leonard, whatever happened to him, got hurt. I don't think they would have the record that they have right now from the backup goalie. Does Flurry have really piss poor games? He does. Okay. But the truth of the matter is he does these, he is more consistent than he is not. You can actually count on him and he does these crazy acrobatic saves Okay, he will dive bomb a puck just so it doesn't go into the damn net. And I see other goalies doing similar things, but he's just a little unique in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know if the coach... Again, this goes back to... I don't, like, I don't think Pete DeBoer likes him. Exactly. I don't I, think. Th this That's just, becoming more and more apparent. Because if me. you even watched when he was coach of the Sharks, okay, you could still see Flurry, <clears throat> and Flurry's been in the league for a very long time. You know how he is. So you, you would have to, as a co-worker or co-person in the same field, whatever you admire it so why wouldn't you want to work with him and it just seemed like he came over and he was like he's not our get guy get me somebody else besides Malcolm Subban because Subban was only there with DeBoer for a little over a month right. and DeBoer could see and, that and, this guy get, sucks right and I get that and I so get me somebody agree else. that they needed a backup for Flurry. the pull off Fleury, of getting Leonard was quite amazing honestly at the trade deadline it really was Flurry's not a backup he will never be a backup Flurry is not a backup no he and will it's not be about disrespectful. He paid his dues. He paid his time. He's taken concussions and pucks to the arm and this and that. They all have. He got screwed in Pittsburgh. He got yeah. screwed in Pittsburgh when they chose to go with Matt Murray. And Matt Murray isn't even on Pittsburgh anymore. That's why the Penguins want him back. Okay, well. That's, that's more and more noted. That, I mean, if I was Pittsburgh Flurry, wants him back, maybe I would go because you got shitted by this team too. I wonder if he's on their no. I wonder if that's on their no trade. If that's on his no trade, he, he has like a ten team no trade. I wonder. But everyone was on the Leonard train, and I'm not saying he's bad. Like I, I said previous episodes ago, I, I, I get why he took this position, but you had to have a clue that. I, th I think the thought was that they would just platoon. Then why didn't they platoon forth. in the playoffs? Because in the playoffs, why you go with Flurry one guy. Start? Okay, and, and that was the guy. guy. And, After right. seeing him playing barely and being Golden Knight barely, that's the guy you go with that has no loyalty whatsoever. He has no loyalty as a coach to the organization or Flurry because he's new. And so is Robin Leonard. In that case. Albeit aside, getting... he's a good coach. Uh, nobody has any loyalty to the Knights because they're new. You can use that argument. They're a new team. I think so. the Knights themselves are losing loyalty to their own. I, I think, think that a lot of times. that, 
you know, Flurry has carried the team on his back. Yes, all the other goaltender when he got hurt first season. Five of them. Four besides Flurry. I know. It was crazy. They got lucky. It was they they really did. You know. But then he carried the team. Yep, when he came back he was amazing. So I don't understand Amazing. why that was all overlooked during this process. Now they're stuck. They're totally stuck because they can't trade Flurry and they can't trade Leonard. Right. So, so they're stuck. You have they're supposedly stuck. two starting goalies. They're stuck. It's, they a, it's a slap in the face. Here's what they need to do this year. Win the Stanley Cup. And, and the Leonard, reason why I say that Leonard is because is this is their best no opportunity. situation because he can't get he out can't of Flurry's shadow. He can't accommodate anybody. He can't. Except Pete DeBoer. So, they need to win the Stanley Cup. It's a slap in the face. This is their best chance to win the Stanley Cup. You can figure the rest out later, but let's let's win a cup. That that's my thought process. I here. will be happy when they get another coach. I just don't like him. I don't like the the vibe he's brought to the team. I don't like the. Mo- you want to replace Flurry? Fine, do it right. You don't do it like this. Well, in the NHL, okay, I it think rotates it, quickly. He, he, I just don't like him, and you know, I know there's some people. On Twitter that, you know, get mad when you say that you're not giving him a fair chance. I don't need to. I don't have to. No, you don't. He's very, he's very shysty and he comes across that way and he's very arrogant and. He's he's quiet during the game too. Like he's not like Gallant. Like Gallant would. I don't need him to be like Gallant. No, but I like the fieriness though of Gallant. You know, Pete DeBoer used to be fiery in his younger days as coach, but he's calmed down. But he's like, he's like a mime almost. He doesn't really say much or do much. He just kind of stands there. But he has rubbed some of the fan base the wrong way, including you. You know, if if Flurry was. Declining rapidly and not doing well. Okay, you want to bring in someone else? I think everybody would understand. That wasn't the case. Your Subban sucked. He should have been gone after the first season. I agree that that should have been done uh, long before it was. But you don't bring in another starting goalie, and I just don't like him. I didn't like him, and... I think their thought process was this when they brought Leonard in. Now we can move on from Flurry in the off season, or but why? But then they, what they did was they signed him to a five million dollar a year while they still had Flurry at seven. So here we are at twelve million dollars. Why? I think because of the age. It's strictly nothing else. But, but you age. knew how old he was when he when he you yes. signed him. And right at that point, it was good for them. He's never showed any he deterioration. He hasn't slowed down at all. Right. So he's had three concussions and he hasn't slowed down at all. How old he is? Well, I would because like to see any of them get on well, the ice. Well, because it's physics. What comes to... up must come down, and as you okay, get older, well, you come down. Could happen to anybody. Some guy we saw just win the Super Bowl. It hasn't happened to. So there are circumstances where it doesn't happen, and Flurry might be one of those. And now the Knights are fucked. Well, sorry for my feel, language, I don't but feel you know. Sorry for them. They're going to make a terrible choice. Either They can't trade Leonard Robin Leonard. They, they can't trade Robin Leonard because Robin Leonard's 29 and Flurry's 37. They cannot do that. They cannot do that because guess what's going to happen? Karma. Then Flurry is going to go out. They but can then get somebody else to uh, replace Flurry. 
You act like letters Not when at you all. already have the guy right That's there. That's the guy? Yes. Really? They're going okay. to, they're going to, the knights are going to, they have made their bed. They're going to have to sleep through two years of $12 million goaltending until they're Flurry is done. To. Yes, they are. Because they can't, if Flurry doesn't decline, and what do I mean by decline? One bad game? Ten bad games? What's decline? See, and that's another what are they thing. That, do? That's not fair. If he has a couple bad games because he's a human being, they're going to ax him. No team is going to help the Knights. Good. They, because they did not get helped in the expansion draft. I they got screwed by terrible Vegas. Terrible for everybody on the team right now. Vegas wheeled and dealed and screwed everybody. Maybe Nobody feels bad coach. for them. In the NHL? That happens. I think he's a good coach. I think he's got his eye on Robin Leonard a little bit too much, and he should be really more focused on, at this point, Flurry. Because Leonard was a lifetime backup. But he has a lot of potential. He started in spurts in different areas, in different places. You know, the grass always looks greener on the other side until it's not. So. They're waiting out this thing. I know they are. They know they know that Flurry's not going to play forever, and they have Robin Leonard right there. They're going to wait it out. If if they don't get blown away by an offer, blown away, it, it has to be a tremendous package coming their way. They're not going to get rid of Flurry. Now, a month ago or two months ago, we're totally different. Totally different talk. Well, it just seems like that. But right now he's hot. And a lot of people. I'm talking from the business aspect of things. They know he's not going to play forever, and they I have a young guy there. Get hurt, and they're going to need Flurry to carry the team on his back. So this team needs to go get a Stanley Cup. You have Mark Stone, who's your captain, who's focused. You have that whole line that Stone plays on that's dialed in. You have Marsha So and Carlson and Riley Smith. Goal. But this team, it. Not every team is as dialed in goaltending wise as they could potentially be with two guys in net that are solid every night. If if I'm a team playing them in a seven game series, and it goes game one flurry, game two Leonard, game three flurry, what the hell am I supposed to do? Really? They should utilize that. That's what's going to win them the Stanley Cup. Pete DeBoer don't have one. He's been in them, but he doesn't have one. Flurry's got three. I think it's time to listen to the master. Okay, the man can win cups. So, go out and get a Stanley Cup because the f you're not you're not guaranteed anything, and, and you might not make a Stanley Cup for how long? This is a I just want primo to hear chance. I was right, you were wrong. You were right. You are right and you at were this wrong. point, and I am wrong at this point right now. But it's a peak and valley type of type of atmosphere the NHL season. It'll it'll come my way. But you are right. Yeah. You are right. I'm not I, I think the team has been good. I'm not I think the defense at times we still have our problems there, but yes. I think that they have been for the most part they look lulls occur, but I think they've been better on the power play. Much better. They've been better on the penalty kill. They've been better offensively, they do and they've been seem better in net. Focused, and they, they do get cup. a little complacent when they are up a couple goals. That needs to stop because you have to play the same yep. as if you have no goals versus three goals. Because I think that was part of the problem that one game. Mm -hmm. But I, I think overall they they look really good, and hopefully, um, you were saying that maybe fans can come. 
soon. Is March first, right? Uh, Governor Steve Sisolak is allowing uh, arenas to have fans, and the Knights are going to apply, and they're going to submit a plan to the governor's office. Every arena has to. And then maybe they can get some fans. Back. They'll be and able I think to get. That would be great for. A little over three thousand. They'll be able to get. Um, and then May first, they're going to evaluate it further. So, I can't wait to see that building full. The next time it's full, yeah, it I can't to wait. To, games like that. I mean, it makes it gives you chills and makes you excited from from home, from the TV. I mean, imagine what it's like to be there. I can't. And and one day, one day, one day we'll we're gonna go. We're gonna go. And everybody will be back to normal. Um, Silver Knights, four and zero to start the year. It's really good. Really good job by them. I mean, they got a terrific coaching staff. They have a Vegas has one of the best AHL teams, um, ranked before the season, um, in the AHL. So, really good to see the Silver Knights uh, thriving. Um, wanted to touch on this other thing. It was really interesting. Um, in the week, uh, Henderson Mayor Deborah March said the city had a great shot, quote unquote, at landing another professional, uh, welcoming another professional sports team to Henderson. And and there was so much speculation. Oh my God, could it be uh, Major League Soccer? Could it be NBA? Uh, you know, could it be Major League Baseball? But find out today. Um, I found out from Tony Cordasco, which uh, is a big personality in Vegas. He broke the news. That uh, Mark Davis, who just purchased the Aces, um, the WNBA team who plays at Mandalay Bay, which they just renamed that arena, Mandalay Bay Event Center. I don't exactly know what the hell it's called. I can't. I can't find it. But um, Mark Davis is going to build a practice facility for the Las Vegas Aces right next to the Raiders practice facility in Henderson. And it's going to be 45,000 square feet. It's going to have two basketball courts. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be really, really nice. And it's really big for women's basketball that Mark Davis bought the aces because there is really not a high profile ownership. Mm -hmm. And he goes to every, he went to every aces game since he's been in Vegas mm -hmm. before the Raiders came when they were building the stadium. He'd buy people lunch at the stadium and he would go and he would sit and watch the aces. He loves it. And it's fantastic that he bought the team and he's building them something to keep them here long term because there is nothing more important than the opportunity. And I don't think that the you know the, the, the WNBA has been around for 25 years and I don't think that people really – a lot of people don't even think they're there. And the Aces went to the finals last year. They didn't win, but they went to the finals and they're a good ball team. And the more professional sports in Vegas, I think, is is best because, you know, four years ago you had nothing. Yeah. And now you have all this and more to come because within a few years, the NBA will, will be moving to Vegas. I mean, that's it, – it's a given. And baseball will probably be the last, but they will eventually make their mark as well. I mean, yeah. Who cares about baseball? I know it's boring, but it's America's pastime. It's boring. It's America's boring pastime. Well, what else you got? Anything else? Happy mm -hmm. Valentine's Day. Just happened. 
yeah, belated right. to everybody else, but <laughs> not to us. Um, so we've got thunder out and lightning outside. Yep. Raining here where we are. Um, let's wrap it up. We got the... Oh, yeah, there's some lightning for you. Running Rebels coming up this weekend, Friday and Sunday, taking on San Jose State. Uh, the Golden Knights will be back on the ice tomorrow, tomorrow against Colorado, continuing their four-game set. And that game will be at T-Mobile, and then they will move to Lake Tahoe uh, on Saturday at noon Pacific time, 3 o'clock Eastern. And that game is the big boy on NBC, and that is going to be some kind of game. That is going to be an amazing setting right there on the golf course area. Right on the lake. Um, it's going to be fantastic to see. We'll catch up with you guys uh, next week, uh, Sunday or Monday, um, and kind of recap everything that's happened. Yeah. And until we talk to you again, everybody stay safe. Have a good day. Bye. Bye-bye.